0: cling to the promises of God and hold on to his promised presence in our lives Then, like recognizing that he is with us in the midst of anxiety um, rather than feeling automatically like we must have done something wrong or he must have turned his back on us. One, two, three.
1: Hey, and welcome to the Flourish podcast, a
2: podcast where we talk about what it looks like to flourish as we live out our purpose in the day to day. I'm your host, Lauren, and I'm your other host, Kelsey, and today we're going to talk about flourishing in the midst of anxiety and narrowing down a list of love it or leave it on all things outdoor activities. But before we get started, don't forget to subscribe and turn on your notification.
1: Now grab your favorite beverage and let's get started. Hello, Kelsey Jane.
2: Hello, Lorna Elise.
1: Oh, my middle name. I love it. We have two of our therapists with us today, Hannah Pinalva and McKenna Faye. Would you guys like to say hello?
3: Hello. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having us. This is fun. I am Hannah Pinalva. I am a marriage and family therapy associate.
0: I'm McKenna Faye, also a marriage and family therapy associate. And just really excited to be here with you guys.
1: Would you guys like to share one fun fact about
3: yourself today?
0: I really don't like dogs i don't really like dogs either they're too much energy the marriage and family therapy associates
3: have chickens
2: what is your love for an outdoor activity i used to love rock climbing i did it a lot like growing up and really loved it and repelling and I also like bright water rafting. Have you ever been?
1: No, but it does sound fun. Um, fun fact about That's me, I'm so not exciting. really an outdoor activity person. <laughs> but I do love a walk. I do love a good walk or a hike. Mm-hmm. I enjoy uh, the simplicity of it.
3: I feel like you appreciate these.
1: I sights. do. I do love the the view. So you know, I do love a good hike every now and then.
3: Um, I love it for you too. I love the outdoors. Pretty much anything outside. But while my husband's more of the adrenaline junkie with like the rock climbing and the canoeing and things, I really just like to to sit and i'm more of like an observer i would say of the outdoors like i i like to get my hands dirty make me a good old mud pie like pretty much anything that like a kid would do outside just you know
0: pick the grass make a little bouquet i also love the outdoors and love a lot about the outdoors i love hiking and camping Um, and canoeing. I will camp and
1: if I have done it multiple times before it's just not the thing I choose like I would never I don't find enjoyment I wake up sore Mm -hmm. I wake up sweaty somehow Mm -hmm. um one time I woke up with a spider in my hair you know (gasps) it's not it's not fun do you guys have an outdoor activity leave it?
3: Anything with animals. So are you not a petting zoo person? You know I can do like baby goats or something like that I've been to goat yoga before when you get there and they step on your back like i don't know what it is about their hooves the but they like it's they, they like massage your muscles in a way that no trained person could the goats, <laughs> the goats just get you i really enjoy goat yoga seriously mm-hmm. and and they are cute they do try to eat your hair oh i think that's cute but but i i can do goats outside mm. yes
1: so leave any animal outside
0: mm, correct okay. correct i do not like swimming I really do not like being wet.
1: I'm very intrigued by your swimming.
0: Mm -hmm. I'll do it. It's fine. But I just don't love it. (laughs) I don't love swimming. I don't like being wet.
1: But you like to lay by the pulmonary yeah, book?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love yeah, me that too. That sounds great.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to dive into anxiety. and I are really going to lead us in this because they are trained professionals. So, what are some of the different types of anxiety that you may see? So there
3: are there are a lot of different types, um, and anxiety can be a pretty broad term, which we'll kind of get into in a minute. But specifically talking about anxiety disorders. So there's social anxiety, trauma-induced anxiety. So like you hear the term PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And then you have like generalized anxiety, which is more of a, a broad umbrella of things. Fear of separating from people and adjustment disorder with anxious tendencies. So those are more of like the fancy, fancy terms of the disorders and the different types of anxiousness that you could feel. Um, But McKenna, did you have anything to add on to that realm? Um, No,
0: I really didn't. I was just thinking about differences with like stress versus anxiety, where there can be good stress that can like motivate us to do things and motivate us towards a goal. Um, But then there can also be stress and anxiety that's, you know, harmful for us and like not helpful. So just kind of in general.
3: And I, I had a professor actually in my undergrad who said, that there is a healthy amount of stress. Everybody needs a little bit of stress in their life. Otherwise, we would never get anything done. Um, and so we are just going to kind of explain the difference here between stress, anxious thoughts, and then anxiety disorders. So first, we just want to preface that to have an anxiety disorder, it does need to be diagnosed by a mental health professional. I think that the term is being just kind of thrown out a lot, um, and which can be dangerous, not only for yourself to to self-diagnose, um, but also to the people that genuinely have this this disorder and that have gotten diagnosed with it. Um, so just kind of be careful with your words. McKenna, how would you kind of define the difference?
0: Yeah, I think that like stress comes in, in the presence of a stressor, maybe lightning strikes and, and you can kind of like physiologically feel like, oh my gosh, what was that? Uh, like that was kind of crazy. Um, or if that's like, a test coming up or a project coming up, um, and you you kind of feel some of those like anxiety symptoms in response to that stressor. Um, but I think it it kind of goes beyond stress into more anxiety if those symptoms persist even without the stressor. Like if the project passes, there's not really anything coming up, but you're still feeling like those you know worries. Anxious thoughts, things like that. Disorder would, like Hannah said, um, you know, should be diagnosed by a mental health professional. Typically, it's considered disorder when it's like interrupting your daily life, when it's like affecting your daily functioning, whether that's school or work, your performance, or even relationships that you have. If it's getting in the way of your relationships, then Um, It could be something that you like really need to see professional help with to kind of work through those things.
1: Would you guys say that more than likely people think that they have like an anxiety disorder, but it's really just like they're in a stressful time or more anxious time of life?
3: That's a good question. And I will say that with anxiety disorders, first of all, they're they're typically developed when you are in childhood. So if you've never really experienced a lot of anxiousness and then all of a sudden as an adult, like things are hitting, it's probably a moment of stress, of intense stress. It still can develop into an anxiety disorder, but it's just more rare to develop the, that type of behavioral response or symptom response as an adult. There's really no right answer to that. There are a lot of undiagnosed anxiety disorders and a lot of overdiagnosed anxiety disorders, but I do think that more so often than not, it's more of a very stressful situation that have anxiety symptoms that come with it. So if it's persisting for more than like six months, these physical and mental and emotional symptoms, then you're probably looking more at at an anxiety disorder and strongly encourage you to go seek professional help. What would you say some typical anxiety symptoms are?
0: Um so yeah if like you might feel like overly irritated or overwhelmed or thoughts of worry about different things um usually with an anxiety kind of disorder or anxiety symptoms it's typically about different things whereas stress might be about like one thing and so it's like worry about different things you might feel restless difficulty sleeping anything else I don't think so yeah and the the symptoms for
3: stress and anxiety often overlap. But the mm-hmm. biggest thing to remember is that stress is more temporary and anxiety is more persistent. Mm-hmm. And I know in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostical Statistical Manual, anxiety in in that book is defined as anticipation of a future threat, whereas stress is more of anxious thoughts or symptoms that are regarding a current stressor.
0: I also think, like back to your question, Lauren, um, about stress versus Anxiety. Um, I think sometimes we might be stressed about like a situation, but if we aren't like properly caring for ourselves or like working through that, even if the stressor leaves, it could turn into like persistent yes. anxiety that's symptoms. Important. And so I think it's really helpful for us to understand how do we deal with like any of these symptoms, whether they're temporary stress or prolongs that's impeding our life. I think learning how to deal with them is like really helpful. Fun fact
3: apparently if you are an extrovert this was a, a research um, article that I read recently um, that if you are an extrovert you tend to show your anxiety symptoms more physiologically than if you are an introvert. A lot of times if you tend to as an extrovert get your energy from being around other people then you probably would feel your anxious symptoms like as nausea or maybe even gas or you know something along those lines are like a headache but introverts may have may have that but it just won't be too intense it's funny that you say that because a time in my life where I was teaching and planning
2: a wedding I got like a patch of gray hair and I had the most intense migraines of my life like the anxiousness and the like feeling like I was going to throw up. It was just this very like intense time where like I really did have a lot of those physiological symptoms and no medicine would even touch it. So it's funny that you say that. I feel so seen in that because I am an extrovert and like I really did have these intense physiological symptoms. Just food
3: for thought. You know, it's, some, it's an interesting thing to think about. So if you all listeners out there know if you're like, oh yeah, I'm definitely more extroverted introvert. It's not to say that all introverts will never have any physical symptoms, but it's more so like if you're an extrovert you'll probably feel the physical symptoms before you notice the mental symptoms and then kind of opposite just how introverts tend to be more internal processors. Mm -hmm. They will probably have the thoughts and emotions come first before they notice the physical symptoms come after.
2: Okay. Well, the next question we kind of had for you guys was what has God taught you about anxiety in your own life as well as like as you're working with clients with anxiety?
0: I feel like I've learned how like interconnected, the physiological, the cognitive and the emotional, you know, spiritual, like how connected all those parts of ourselves are. How if we are feeling like physiologically, you know, maybe that's like our heart racing or tightness in the chest, tightness in shoulders, um, shaky hands that can like perpetuate the emotional and cognitive thoughts. Um, and vice versa, like the more like emotionally and anxious like our thoughts are can also affect our physical bodies too. And so I think it's really helpful if we can recognize those different parts of ourselves and kind of care for those specifically, because then they can help our our whole selves and, and kind of get us like back to where we want to be.
3: Yeah, I love that. Basically, what McKenna is saying is the importance of being mindful of what is going on in your body and in your thoughts um, because they are in in your soul. Like when we talk about as Christians, because they're all interconnected Mm -hmm. and that's so important. I think that the biggest thing that, that the Lord has shown me in my my own struggles with anxiety and working with clients that have struggled with that is the power of words um, because the tongue really is the sharpest weapon. We know that in scripture and it can be used for great good or great evil Um, our words do have power and Satan wants, wants you to use them for evil. Um, and so I strongly encourage all my clients to check in on the words that they're using when they're telling others about their anxiety struggles. So instead of stating, I have anxiety, or you'll hear people say like, I have ADHD or I have depression using phrases like I have battled with anxiousness, or I continue to battle anxiousness, or I, I am struggling instead of it becoming a part of your identity and basically owning that as a part of you. Um, So yeah, just being mindful of your words and how the Lord can shift your mindset.
0: I was thinking about just like God's presence with us, like even in the midst of anxiety or anxious thoughts. I think sometimes it can be easy to feel like he has abandoned us or feel like he's not with us or maybe we've um, like done something to push him away if we're feeling any of these anxiety symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's something else that if we can like cling to the promises of God and hold on to his promised presence in our lives, then like recognizing that He's with us in the midst of anxiety um, rather than feeling automatically like we must have done something wrong or he must have turned his back on us or something mm-hmm. like recognizing. I think that's been powerful for me like recognizing that God is with me in the midst of whatever it is, in the midst of the stress, the anxiety, whatever.
3: Yeah. And we we all know that we're human and that's easier to say than do. And I know that my supervisor was telling me that it takes a person on average about 87 times of repeating something truthful or factual to themselves or out loud before they actually believe it. Um, So even if you're not truly believing that like, the Lord's peace is going to surpass understanding in that moment, or um, that that anxiety does not define you or that moment, like we we strongly encourage you to to still say it out loud. That's the importance of reading scriptural truth over and over again. Even if you're like, Ugh, like, I already know what this verse says. It hasn't helped in the past. You never know. It could be that 87th time that it clicks for you and something with your physiological self and emotional and spiritual self could just all come together i think
2: it's so cool because it it reminds me of the scripture in romans do not be transformed by this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and like god doesn't like god knew that it took 87 times and that's why he asks us to store his word in our heart, and that's why he calls us to meditate on its word because he knew the power that it would take Mm -hmm. and scripture is sharper than a double-edged sword cutting between the bone and the marrow and it's like when we apply that it can really set us free because he knew like when he asked us to renew our minds he knew that we would need to repeat it and replace it with the truth like god created it And so they intersect. And I just I think it's so beautiful because I love having conversations with you guys about that, because you not only apply like what you know from all of your training, but just to see like how your biblical perspective informs that. But you do it in such a grace filled, intentional and beautiful Mm -hmm.
1: way. Bouncing off of that, it was very taboo for people to go to counseling. It's really be talked about within the church, especially if you struggle with anxiety or any type of disorder. Why do you find that it is important if people really do believe that they have some type of anxiety disorder to go to counseling?
0: I think that the writings of the apostles talk a lot about suffering. Think that this is something that could fall within that. Like, I think if we look at the context of those writings, there's suffering that. The Jewish people and the Gentile believers in Jesus were experiencing in terms of like persecution and um, slavery, death—really heavy things. Um, and Paul and the other writers constantly remind them to like hold on to hope of a future redemption. To you know, they're—he's encouraging them to um, remember that like the Messiah is coming back and the kingdom is coming um he tells them to like hold on to each other and to hold on to God and um, through prayer and and other things like that I think that those are promises that we can hold on to in anxiety too and I think that in looking at the context of those writings and the suffering experienced by the believers it wasn't ever like a if you pray or if you believe, you won't experience suffering. Mm -hmm. It was never, like, that was never part of the conversation. But for whatever reason, we have kind of adapted that to be, like, the way that we look at mental health issues. Um, But I I feel like anxiety and other mental health issues and um, relationship issues, just hardship in life, um, is part of living in a world that's not yet completed, that, Mm -hmm. you know, the kingdom has not yet come. Um, but it will and we won't experience those things forever. And so I think like in the moment that we are experiencing them and before Messiah comes back, um, like we, we can work through those things. And I think that um, counseling and therapy are a great place to help us figure out how can we best like encourage ourselves, encourage each other, like how can we best work through these things? while we are experiencing them. It was so good.
3: Yeah, this I have so many thoughts on this because I know that it's still a hot topic for a lot of people. And some people even feel guilty coming into therapy. Like, did I not have enough faith or did I not pray hard enough? But thankfully now I even have like some pastors that are referring out people. Um, But I just think about how the Lord gave us free will. And with that free will, we have the ability to, Use science, and so you never really hear of people getting upset in the church when somebody like has a sickness and they go to a doctor. I, I just have to wonder why there's some some setback when people are saying, "Man, I'm really struggling emotionally," um, and people are like, "Well, just pray about it," you know? Because there there really is this there's deep understanding scientifically about how our brain chemistry can shift. In a time of intense emotional struggle, so if your brain is physically not working, that would be the same as going to a doctor, Mm -hmm. right? And so, like, there's there's absolutely no shame in wanting to be free of that, Mm -hmm. um, because God doesn't want us to be in bondage. He doesn't want us to have these chains on us of depression and anxiety and fear and all of these things. And so, if sometimes that can be, you know, a helping hand of a therapist. And I'm just, it's the most, um, I'm just so honored when people come in and and trust, trust us with their stories, um, and their tears. And, you know, some people don't have a community and they want that, but they just have experienced so much relational trauma or they're anxious in relationships. So therapy is a great place to start. And, you know, we never want you to stay in therapy your whole life. Our goal is that you... We're like a little butterfly. We want, you to, we want you to spread your wings and fly at the end of the session. And I was
0: thinking about the picture in Acts 2, and we see like the early, early church, you know, I think it's like 242 that talks about how they're sharing meals together and like giving each other, you know, they're selling their things to like give to those in need and, and things like that. And I think that that picture is like something that we as believers in Christian community can strive for and like should strive for. Um, and a big part of that is, like, leaning on each other when we need it and to express our needs and and tell one another when we're suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole, um, you know, the whole idea of you shouldn't be struggling or you shouldn't need help is just the complete opposite of that. Um, and I think that a counselor or a therapist can be someone that is part of that community, in a way, in helping you succeed and get to to live an abundant life that is promised. That's beautiful.
2: I was talking with my Bible study just regarding, like, the different spiritual gifts that we have, and often people who are drawn to counseling professions, like, have the gift of mercy, and the gift of mercy is all about sitting with people in the muck, and it's not that we're not all called to that, because, of course, we are, and the Holy Spirit inside of us, like, equips us to do that regardless of if it's something we're naturally bent towards or not. Um, God's not going to ask us to do something that like, he's not going to equip us to do. I feel like most therapists have that gifting and they want to sit in the muck with you and they want to help you get out of it god has given them training just natural talents and abilities and like compassion and to help people transition mm-hmm. from them muck. you feel stuck but it's somebody else like on the outside because like we can talk to our friends and we can talk and you know even those of us who are in communities um of people or even communities of believers like there's something different about somebody who's on the outside who can mm-hmm. offer an outside perspective that is truly advocating for you that doesn't have their own like agenda in your life. I think that's yeah. what's so beautiful about a therapist is like they, they can offer this unbiased perspective and just like, I don't know, it's it's been so restful for me to get to have yeah. those relationships. Um, I'm just really thankful
0: in our, I think in our culture of like hurrying and busyness and moving on to the next thing and just going through life really quickly. I think that therapy can be a place to slow down. And just like you're saying, Kelsey, to sit, like be aware of where you're at, where you're struggling, where you can improve, even like sometimes like what your strengths are to help you get there. Mm. Um, Like, I think that therapy can be a, a place to really like Set that time aside um, to, yeah, to sit and like really take care of yourself and like having someone there that can help you work through that process um, can be really helpful. Mm.
1: Um, So I guess that leads us into our next question. Um, How can we view anxiety in light of being Christ
3: followers? When we think of anxiety, I think most people think of this verse Um, in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Let me just read this for you all. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes when you hear the same verse over and over again, it can just kind of be like, oh yeah, I know that, whatever, I'm just pushed to the side. But like I said, with the 87 times of repetition, this is a great one to repeat and memorize. When you're experiencing those symptoms of anxiety. And most importantly, what I like about this verse is it it notes the importance of Thanksgiving. There's also so much research that talks about how gratitude can instantly shift your emotional and physical state of being for the better. And so just naming like three things that you're grateful for in a time of stress or anxiety is a great tip for that. But also at the end of the verse there, when it talks about the peace of God, which transcends all understanding that right there, just that's part of being a Christian where it's the the things that we do not see and just have to step out in faith. Like the world is not going to understand that there is peace that surpasses what like what is logical in this moment so if you're totally surrounded by chaos people are gonna think you're crazy when you're like there's a peace about this peace and and love are the two antidotes to anxiety because perfect love casts out fear that's part of guarding your heart in a moment of anxiousness is repeating over and over again what you know to be true which that is that there is a peace there is the lord that is is there with you and there are things to be grateful for
0: yeah i think if we think of anxiety as like part of suffering that we experience just because we don't live in a perfect world, I think that can like bring some peace, at least it brings peace to me thinking about how like we live in a world that longs for the redemption, as it says in I think Romans 8. I think there's a lot of hope in recognizing that that redemption is coming and what we're experiencing now is temporary. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about, though our outer person is decaying, our inner person is being renewed day by day, um, and momentary light affliction is producing within us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. There's just a lot of peace that comes from, even in the middle of suffering, like when we look at what's not seen, we can experience a lot of peace it doesn't necessarily mean the suffering is going away, but we can hold on to the hope and we can experience peace in the middle of living in this world. And I think
2: that that's so cool. Scripture really does speak. Yeah. If you ask him to open your eyes to how that applies to your life. Scripture has so many promises like McKenna was talking about earlier. It's all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I am with you no matter the circumstance. I think that also ties into like our
1: next question. So in light of all of this, we do need practical things to like help us get through those moments like when you have an anxiety attack and you're alone or you're in a situation and you obviously can't call up your counselor or therapist and just be like hi I need to talk to you about this like because you need help
3: in that moment so what are some tips I really like to tell my clients which sounds a little counterproductive to sit in your anxiety and let it hit its peak what that looks like is just kind of being curious with yourself talking out loud Or you can talk to the Lord. I know that sometimes when I'm in an anxious moment where it just feels like, okay, I'm even a therapist and I completely forgot all grounding techniques. I don't even remember scripture. Like anything is just out the door, I'm alone. I sit there and I just tell God, I'm like, Lord, I am anxious. This situation sucks. I am tense. Like I'll just start naming the things out loud. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? feeling physiologically and emotionally, like my chest is super tight, Lord. My hands are really shaky. I think I'm going to vomit, which is a type of grounding, right? Just stating the facts of what's happening right there in the moment. I don't know if you would add anything to that.
0: I agree, especially the physiological experience, like really being, you know, some people call it mindful or just being aware of like what you're experiencing physiologically, mm. like, yeah, the tightness in the chest, the heart racing, the face red, whatever it is, that really helps for you to be aware of where you are, who you are, what's going on.
3: Yeah. And when you kind of combine that with using God as your as your counselor in that moment, just say the name of Jesus and invite him into that moment with you. Then um, one of the things, Kelsey, when you were talking about how it's so important to just sit kind of in the muck with people and meet people where they're at, there's no better example than Jesus himself. Like I'm just thinking about so many situations like the woman at the well or the woman that was bleeding for years and years and she touched his robe and he got down on her level and he he met them where they were at and listened to their stories and heard their struggles. He didn't just say, get over it, pray about it. He was like, hey, I see you and I'm here with you in it. Talking it out loud to the Lord, to yourself, to a friend when you're experiencing those moments. Not only is it cathartic, but it helps you to name the facts so you can kind of get out of that fear of the future, which is what anxiety is, this excessive worry about what could happen. You can name the facts, name the emotions. And is your logical part of your brain doing more of the work? Or is your emotional part of the brain doing more of the work? And how can you just kind of lay all that out? Okay, what do I know to be true? And what am I, what is a lie right here? Um, so identifying the lie is huge.
0: Yeah, I think deep breathing can be really helpful, mm-hmm. as cliche as it sounds, mm-hmm. um, because it, it does, it triggers that logical part of your brain that prefrontal cortex is like more activated when you do deep breaths Mm. and so it gets it literally like gets your mind away from the emotional side into the logical side Um, and then i think it's really helpful as you're like doing deep breaths to again notice your physiological experience like what are you noticing changing like imagine your heart rate slowing down Mm. imagine like the blood pumping to your feet and your hands. And um, imagine that tension rising from, you know, your shoulders, your chest, things like that, I think can, can be really helpful in the moment that you're experiencing them. And then similarly, engaging your senses can be helpful for the same reason because it gets um, your prefrontal cortex engaged, that logical part of your brain engaged. So you can, you know, look around and name things that you see. Um, I think it's, especially helpful by color. Like, Mm. oh, I see a blue pillow. I see a green tree. And then noticing what do you smell? Is there anything you smell or taste? What do you feel around you? Um, Is there a soft blanket nearby? Is there a rough carpet Um, can really help again to engage like that logical part of your brain?
3: Yeah. And, and once you kind of have more of that, That grounding control over your body, because like McKenna was saying, with the prefrontal cortex. So this is this is a really fun fact I just learned the other day. That when you are flooded and in those moments of just like I cannot think straight, I have no idea. I mean, it sounds so elementary to name like there's a red apple, there's a blue ball. Like that's how just mush our brain is in the moment. So you're not going to be able to identify lies in that moment. You know, when you're in those moments of flooding your prefrontal cortex has as much function as if you had just drank a fifth of whiskey. It's important to use all those five senses. And once that physiological, once you have more control over your physical well-being, then you can start to engage more of those emotional kind of thought processes. Okay. What is, what is the underlying root? Again, being curious with yourself. Why am I so anxious about this? Keep asking yourself questions, be your own therapist or talk out loud to the Lord and say, you know, what is the lie that I'm believing about myself? Am I believing that I'm an incapable person? Am I believing that I am unworthy? Am I believing that I am unloved? And then from that, thinking, okay, but what, is, what does God say? What do I know about God? And because I know this about God, and I'm made in his image, I know that I actually am worthy. I know that I actually am capable and equipped. And so just speaking that truth over yourself, Pull out scripture. Just start start reading anything out loud that is true. Because it might be that 87th time that it all clicked. Well, you guys, they are our first guest ever
1: on the Flourish podcast. Thank you guys again um, for coming and speaking about this. I hope our listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I know I really got a ton out of this. The counseling and therapy program that we have mm-hmm. here at Atlanta Roses, if you are local to the Lexington, Kentucky area, which is where we are located. Mm. And you just really feel like that you need to take that step into counseling or therapy. You can go on our website, landverse.com forward slash counseling. You can see all the information there and we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
3: Thank you for listening to the Flourish Podcast with Kelsey Darrenberg and Lauren Burgess. The Flourish Podcast is a production of Lane of Roses. To learn more, go to www.laneofroses.com. Three,
0: two,
2: one, yeah! Ah.